It's humanly impossible to keep going without ever stopping the rest. Even machines need downtime for repairs and maintenance. The human body is no different, with the exception that we keep the machines running at the expense of physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. You need quiet time, that uninterrupted silence that is so elusive and prized to rest, renew, and refresh. While today's world has many luxuries that are supposed to make life much easier, sometimes these things seem to make life more complicated. Many of us dream of living a worry-free life, uninterrupted by the chaos we face in our daily lives, but this dream is often interrupted by reality. Where can we go to get our spiritual balance and to be covered by the presence of the Most High? Having a daily quiet time with God is one of the most important spiritual disciplines you can master. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will cover how to maximize the secret place and how to navigate an epic quiet time. Welcome to Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Krista Smith, and here is Sean Smith. Hey, what's up? What's up? It's for another episode of the Keep It 100 podcast. We are so excited you are with us. We are going to dive into a really important topic today, talking about getting quiet with God. And this is going to be a super huge episode because I really believe it's going to benefit you and help you as we share some things that have really helped us grow in our walk with God and establish foundations. So true. I'm excited to dive into it. But before we do, I want to talk about some awesome testimonies that happened this last week. We were at Trinity Church in Cedar Hills, Texas. That's outside of Dallas on both July 4th and July 11th. Back to back, y'all. Yeah, Sean did the 4th and I did the 11th. And then in the middle of that, sandwiched in was YFN, Youth for the Nation. So we were in Dallas three times ministering this last week and we saw the power of God move. You know, we're seeing all over just the fire of God begin to hit services. Yes. And we believe that we are part of a group of people that God is making them more hungry for more of a move of God. And so we saw miracles. We saw people healed. You gave an altar call in one of the services where you saw over 20 people get saved last Sunday. Yeah. YFN. We did. We saw perhaps at YFN the greatest fire tunnel amongst teenagers and young adults that we've seen this side of Brazil. It was berserk. It's really true. And in that fire tunnel, we saw hundreds of kids getting slain in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We saw demons cast out. We saw kids coming out of encounters, laying stuff on the altar, not being provoked or even, uh, in a sense, encouraged by pastors and leaders to lay stuff down, to surrender, to repent. This was like kids on their own having sovereign encounters. And on the altar were like little piles of like condoms and drug paraphernalia and vaping stuff. And even like articles of like jewelry or different like practical things that have been, you know, they felt like they just need to get rid of. It was just like this beautiful organic, natural response to the power and the presence of God. Like Sean said so well, we looked at each other and we're like, we haven't seen anything like this in America. This The last time I saw a fire tunnel like that with the response, the deliverance, the freedom, the surrender, and the encounter was last time was Brazil. And we even got a chance while we were at YFN, which is part of Christ for the Nations in Dallas, we even got a chance to speak to leaders and we taught them on the prophetic and prophesied over them. But that ended up being a meeting where the glory of the Lord fell and youth leaders and youth pastors walked forward and just in the chapel there, just fell on their faces. And even some people started getting some words as we were challenging them to hear from God. So it was an impartation. It was fire. The leaders there are amazing. Micah and Yvette, 
uh, we so appreciate them and they're they're stewarding something. And so it, it was just a blast. It was so great to be there. It really was incredible. You know, just seeing people get free. I, Sean and I will never tire of that. It is literally why we do what we do. And we're so passionate. That's why we're bringing today's topic to you. We're so passionate about people going deeper in their walk with God. This topic is such an important topic. And so I just really want to take a, a minute and give a definition of kind of a secret place or a quiet time. And the secret place I would define it simply, it's both the positioning of yourself and choosing to be intentional about communing and conversating with the Father. And this is just so important. Jesus himself had a secret place. He went to be alone with the Father, and it's so important. I I can remember, Krista, you know, when I was young in the Lord, and many people, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know that uh, I had an early encounter with Jesus, and I really loved Jesus, and Mm -hmm. I really connected with the Word, and I think I still am a Word guy, so it was very very easy for me in one sense to read the word, but for whatever reasons, to get quiet and to get still uh, before the Lord in quiet time, that was very much a struggle for me in my early walk. And I think some of it was one of them Ritalin kids. I was ADD <laughs> as a kid. And then when the Ritalin didn't work, my grandma's belt, that could kind of keep me still for longer. But I just felt like a lot of times that I would just get still before the Lord. And, and I was wondering, are my prayers making it outside of the roof of this apartment I'm at? Is God hearing me? Is there any difference? I didn't really feel anything. I didn't see sense anything. I don't know that I heard from God. And then I remember one time Mike Bickle made a quote and he told me this actually in person. And he said, consistency in routine before inspiration and anointing. In other words, you have to be consistent in the secret place, consistent in that time of crying out, pouring out your soul before the Lord, and also waiting to receive an outpouring from the Father. You need to be consistent in that routine. Not that your quiet time should ever become a routine, but you know, you have a daily discipline of it. But if you're consistent in it, then the inspiration will come, then the anointing will come, and that became the turning point, me being able to just get still enough to get in that place and to stay plugged in and to receive from the Father in the secret place. You know, like you, Sean, I really had a hard time with the consistency and the routine and the discipline for connecting with God. And different than you is for me, I really connect with God through worship. So I actually found reading the word very difficult to be consistent in that because my connection in my natural disposition was I felt so connected to God in worship. And so worshiping him, praying and connecting with God and being in his presence, that was really natural. That was very easy, but actually sitting down and reading the word. And because I wasn't in a system or I should say a community, I wasn't in a church. I was raised in the Catholic church and not to speak negatively against the Catholic church, but they weren't like breaking down the word and like teaching that to me like that. It just wasn't that type of culture that I was a part of. And so I heard about the word, but I wasn't ever taught how to study it. And so I knew a lot of the Bible stories, but I didn't know how to like practically apply that. I didn't know how to like actually understand the social context of the word of God. And then I went to Bible college and I got more training and then it began to break that down and understand that better for myself. But what's interesting is I actually developed my consistency and spending time with God out of sheer necessity. And why I tell people that is I got thrown into leadership, which was wonderful and I was honored to be leading people. But I found that when I didn't spend time with God, I hit my reserves. I went through my reserves really quick. And I found myself literally going, okay, I've got nothing else. Like I have nothing else to give. And it's because I shared everything the Lord had given me, but I hadn't gone back for the more. And so I realized every single day, if I'm going to be leading people and I'm going to be pouring out, I have to cultivate that on a daily practice. And then I became even, I would say more mature in it 
it. And that maturity came with, oh, wait, first and foremost, I have to connect as a daughter. First and foremost, I have to connect as Krista first with my father and then receive stuff for people. And then, so I felt like it, I almost like went at it backwards a little bit. I more focused on how can I connect with you, Jesus, to to give to other people. And then I learned in time, oh, wait, I need this. Like just as your daughter, more than the doing, more than the giving, I just need to be with you. And so for me, um, it was really learning that daily posture and that daily routine. Really, I view your quiet time as logs. If I'm going to be going to be someone that's burning for God, which is someone that I want to be, I want to be someone that's on fire for God. Every day I am fueling that fire. It's another log I'm adding to the fire because the more more logs I add, the greater the fire. That is a great point. I'm so glad that you brought that up, Krista, because really the secret place is really about fueling your fire because fueling your fire doesn't happen by accident. I preached this message on Paul on the island of Malta in Acts 28, specifically verses two through three. And he models something that essentially the secret place for me and God's intention for it for you is a place you get lit and it's a place you stoke your fires. Mm -hmm. So Paul arrives on the island and there's a fire. The natives had started a fire so they could get warm, but Paul still had to go get logs and put it on the fire. See, Paul still had to stoke his fire. Like you may go to church, you may have a person that's your mentor, you may listen to this podcast and others, you may have somebody you read their blog or someone you catch your YouTube preaching or a devotional someone else gives on Facebook. But the bottom line is you still have to stoke your fire. Right. Because fires, Paul understood this, fires will go out if they're unattended. Mm. And we're we're selling one of our cars and we just recently got an electric car. It's used, but it's new to us. And when, when it's fully charged, you plug that in, it goes to the highest speed, the AC works. But I found out that when you start getting low on the battery <laughs> charge, you can't work the AC. Or if you do, you'll burn through your stuff. So you, can, you have to put it in a kind of an eco mode. But you can't do the AC. You can't go beyond certain miles because the car is saying, you got to plug me in. And I think sometimes that's us. We got to plug into the Father consistently so we can reach the maximum mileage, so to speak, and we can keep the, the Holy Spirit's wind blowing in the midst of our lives. Ooh, that is such a good illustration. I love that picture. You're so good at illustrations and just bring it to a really everyday. We got to get plugged in. And that's what we're talking about today. How do you connect with God in the secret place? You know, Sean talked about fueling your fire. That's the importance of it because we're just kind of really wanting you to place maybe a new value on really why this is so important. And I also want to add to that. It's so important because it's the place where you realize you were created to impact and transform the world around you. But that transformation first and foremost starts with you. And, you know, John Wesley said, light yourself with a passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. You know, so many times people are like, want a life of impact. They want a life of influence. They want a life that makes a difference. If you burn for Jesus, you can't help but make an impact. You can't help but affect the world around you. You can't help but be a person of influence because people will be captured by the fire that's burning through you. You know, the secret place really when we connect with Jesus is a transporter that takes you from our realm to his realm. And that's one of the most important things we have to remember. I have to shift from a place of where I'm at in the natural and I step into the spirit when I'm in his presence. And then all of a sudden everything comes into perspective. Things that were big, overwhelming, stressful, 
stressful, all, be, all of a sudden come into alignment. I can see them for what they are. They're small in comparison to how big my God is, but it's not until I step into his presence, I step into the connection place of God, that fire of God where I'm in the secret place and all of a sudden everything comes into alignment. You know, it's so funny because you can see the, the people in the world, more and more of them are kind of doing their transcendental thing. Right. The more of them are doing the spiritual side of yoga. Mm-hmm. More of them are trying to do this place where they kind of walk in nature and center themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think it's all begging this simple thing that people are needing to plug in. And I love that word transporter, you know, the whole MCU now, they got so many different spinoffs and shows. Right. And so it's all right now about time travel. But I really feel like you said, it's a transporter. You get to go from this realm, as you said, to God's realm. Hey, Keep Your 100 Tribe, I'm so excited. We're going to step into our Hundo P segment. Kristen and I filled questions that you guys have asked or thought of. Question number one. How do you find a secret space in the midst of chaos? I feel like if you're going to find this quiet connection in the midst of the storm, the bottom line, and maybe the first place you got to start, is you have to create a routine. If you kind of haphazardly wait until you kind of are reminded or feel like spending time with God, you're going to be very intermittent and you have to create a routine. We're learning a routine with our electrical car, y'all, on how to charge that thing because right now we don't have the right uh, AC place to plug it in. So right now it takes like two days to get a full charge unless we go someplace else and find it. But we're learning routines. But in the spirit, you got to create a routine. Nobody that wants to get in shape by hitting a gym just hits it haphazardly. If they do, their body will reflect it. You got to create a workout routine. Well, the same in the spirit. So when you're creating a, a routine with your time with the Lord, I think it helps to try to spend time with God every day as consistent as possible. Just spending time, make it a place that is kind of your habit. It's your daily rhythm. And you've got to understand in creating a routine, I think it's so important. Matthew 6, 18, Jesus said, when you go in a secret place, close the door. I really think that that is the secret to to the secret place. If the secret place has a secret, it's close the door. It's funny because Jesus told us where to pray before he told us how to pray. Later on, he would tell the disciples, this is how you pray, our Father who art in heaven. You guys are familiar with that. Well, this takes place before that. He tells them, go in the secret place, and he emphasized your father who is in the secret place. So notice this, Jesus is telling us where the father is. The father is in the secret place. If you go there and shut the door, you're going to be in a place where the father is. And the key, I believe, is to shut the door. It is the portal to intimacy in the secret place. It is, I believe it's also likened to building your foundation upon the rock. And so it's so important that you create this routine. You know, I love this question. And what you said is so good, Sean, because I think all of us have to figure out how, what does that look like for us personally in finding quiet in the midst of the storm? How do we find that quiet connection place with God? For me, it was figuring it out. How do I connect with God? I shared with this a moment ago, you know, for me, it's through worship and other people will connect with that through others. It's through the word, other through praying, even journaling, but you have to start with finding out how do you most naturally connect with God. Some people it's through art, some people through it's like being in nature and they really feel like they connect with God. You know, one of the famous uh, movies, Chariots of Fire, there was a man that was a runner and he's like, I feel God the most when I run. And so I think there's a real freedom in us finding what is the expression in the place of connection with God. Once you figure that out, then you find out, okay, what time of day do I actually have that connection place? I'm an early morning riser. I wake up before you. I, I often 
do my quiet time before you've even woken up. And that's a natural place of connection with me. That's where I can go downstairs. I pray, I have a quiet time and I can worship and I can pray in the spirit. And I have a daily reading plan where, you know, I'm just being, trying to be consistent in the word. And this has nothing to do with me preparing for sermons. This has nothing to do with my platform ministry. That's good. This has everything to do with, this is just me as a daughter of the King. You know, that's just us connecting as kids with the father. And so I think that's a really important thing is just figuring out how do you connect with God? And then what time of the day you find in Mark uh, 1 35 through 37, you know, it says that Jesus connected with the father in the morning. So it's not saying that it has to be in the morning, but it's simply showing us an illustration that there was a specific time of the day that even Jesus had set aside for the father. So the question to you, I would propose is what's your time of the day? And when do you want to do that? Um, the next thing I would say is write your distractions down. This is something Ooh, I really good. learned. Yeah. It's amazing how I will remember every single thing I need to do as soon as I step into the presence of God. And I will, you know, go, okay, this is my quiet time. And then my whole to-do list, my whole routine or so of the things that are waiting for me as the day goes on all come bombarding in. And in order to stay in a place to be focused, I quickly learned, I'll open up my computer, I'll open up a note on my phone, whatever is closest to me or what I is working for me at that time. And I'll just write it down and I'll clear my head. And the reason I clear my head is it helps me stay focused because I know I won't forget it. And I know that, okay, I'm going to get to that later. But right now I'm going to focus on Jesus. Hey, you know, as you were sharing is okay if I share one more thing? Yes, please. In answer to this question, one of the things I was also thinking about is just how important getting a Bible reading plan. Yeah. Like you and I both have True. on our Kindles reading through the Bible in a year. In yeah. addition to that, I usually will feel God direct me to certain books in the Bible. Same. And so I feel like get a Bible reading plan. So you're learning the word, you're utilizing resources to take you deeper, whether that's devotionals, Bible studies, online programs. But I think it's so important to include the Bible and Bible reading and devotional reading in your quiet time, because I think it's one of the things that anesthetizes the wandering brain, the wandering mind, the thoughts that people often complain about. And so I think that's another thing that I would add too. Question number two, how can I have an effective quiet time? Boy, this is something I've had to really learn through the years because there's times for, you know, in my life, and I think anyone can relate to this, that you go into your quiet time, you're like, man, I didn't really experience anything. And there are some times that feel a little flat. And I think that there's nothing to be alarmed about that. But you keep going back, you keep connecting with God, knowing that there's going to be this breakthrough, there's going to be revelation of the word, there's going to be these really powerful moments that happen. Maybe not every day is a mountaintop breakthrough experience, but there's power in the discipline, there's power in the consistency. But some really practical things that I've learned that really help me have the most effective quiet time is I am all about quality time with God. And so sometimes I don't have a massive amount of time, but I don't think God's looking for quantity as much as he's looking for quality. And that means, sure, there are absolutely times I can spend hours with God because my schedule will allow that. But there's times I have 30 minutes and I'm going to make those 30 minutes really count. And so I will pray in the spirit. I will turn off my phone. I will put it in airplane mode. I create a space where I'm not distracted or pulled um, to my phone or to tech um, or social media, I literally will put everything on silent. And that's really important because everything can wait 
30 minutes. Everything can wait 60 minutes. Everything in this world can be put on hold to give your full attention to Jesus. I heard someone say this and I've, I've, I've grabbed it because I just think it's so powerful, but I heard someone say, God doesn't like multitasking. And when I heard this person say that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is a hundred percent truth. God doesn't want multitasking where you're picking up your phone here and there. You're texting someone even in the middle of God's like, Hey, Texas person. Yeah, I do that. I get words for people. I'll text people things. I'll get things of prayer, but I stay in my place of being focused with God until I feel like the Lord's like, okay, we're done. And then when we're done, then I'll do those things after, but I stay giving my affection and my devotion and my attention to Jesus, because here's the truth. And this is a quality time fact. And that is you get to know someone by spending time with them right? When you're in your in True. their presence, that's actually how you learn their ways. You learn their mannerisms. You learn the way they think, the way they look at things um, by spending time with them. So to me, quality time is massive. I would say in answer to this question, how to have an effective quiet time, the thing I think about, Krista, is that you really have to perfect the art of listening. And I think sometimes we define our quiet time with kind of our laundry list of prayer requests where we're doing all the talking. But I've discovered as I've grown in the Lord, that I really want to move to a place of me talking less and doing more listening. I find out things don't really change when I'm talking, but things change when God's talking. I mean, think about it. the creation of the world happened because God had a conversation and, and through it, cosmos was activated. And so I think it's so important just to spend some time in listening. A listening posture in prayer is the transformative element that I believe will bring God's purposes on this earth. And so I think in that, what do you have to have? You need to have a seeking heart. I think if you don't have a seeking heart for more of God, and, and instead you kind of have a consumer heart that you just kind of want to get more stuff, you're going to miss the point of a quiet time. A seeking heart says, I'm really there because I want to connect with the heart of God. And so I think as you're there, one of the things that I, I practice and I bring in is I just try to uh, practice being still and becoming alert, aware of his presence and gazing to see how God is working in me and what God is saying. And I say in that, waiting on the Lord is so crucial to the modern day believer for intimacy and just for finding that place of communing with the Father is just waiting, just becoming still. I often tell people that if you can get still before the Lord and wait upon the Lord, there's a promise that you're going to soar like an eagle. An eagle is one of my favorite animals. And of course, that's from the, the verse in Isaiah, them that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They go run and not glory and walk and not faint. We need that in this hour. That is so good. You know, another way to have an effective quiet time is praying in the spirit. We read in Acts 2.11 and it talks about, I'm just kind of paraphrasing the second part of that verse. And it says, when they came together and got filled with the Holy Spirit, the people heard them declaring wonders of God in our own tongues. And that's the NIV version. You know, the people came up and they saw the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not fully understanding what was happening in that moment. And in people praying in tongues and speaking in tongues, they actually heard them praising God. So what it does is it sets a precedence and it shows us that there's a devotional element to when we pray in the spirit. First Corinthians 14, 14 says, if in that, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So basically what it's saying there is there's a place for a devotional tongue. So really the ba the bottom line is why not use it? If that's available, why not use it? Because you're accessing a communing with God, a conversation with God in a heavenly language. And to me, that's one of the most edifying places in which we can go. And I'll add this one last thing. There are times I do not know how to pray. So I will pray in the spirit and I will find myself coming to alignment. I don't know maybe the fullness of what I pray, but when 
I pray in my heavenly language, I've come into alignment with the Spirit of God. I think that's so key because Paul, of all people, probably outside of Jesus, obviously the greatest Christian that ever lived, he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. And so obviously he wasn't spending time in church doing that. He was doing it in his devotional quiet time and praying. And he says, if I pray in a spirit, I edify, I'm edified. And so that's why I agree with you on that. You know, as I was thinking, as you were talking about that, you know, I also wanted to throw in just as I was mentioning, or just about consistency in reading the word, mm-hmm. because I, I think so uh, good. You, you in the secret place, one of the other things is that the secret place is also considered a place of refuge. And a refuge is a place where you avoid attack. A refuge is a place where you avoid deception. A refuge is a place where you know you can come and God's got you. And I think that happens because you're consistently reading the word, consistently in the word. But, you know, here's the thing that I kind of want to speak about in the area of really consistency in this area, is just understanding sowing and reaping. And we know that passage God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall they reap. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. We, we think of that in a negative sense. Like, oh my God, if I sin, God's going to get me. But it works in the positive. And I, I feel like we're, we've all been hit. I shared my initial story. We've all been hit with the discouraging thought that while you're praying, nothing's happening. You're wasting time. What's going on? But you have to understand if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap from the spirit. This is really about investment. You got to think of your quiet time like a garden. Yes. You don't plant seeds and expect to come out and see your, you know, tomatoes or avocados or whatever it is you planted the next day. You recognize you sow seeds, you water it, you cultivate it, but in time you're going to reap from that. And so I feel like there are a lot of people that have prayed and all of a sudden they've sowed and they begin to reap. They begin to get breakthrough. They begin to get favor. They begin to get promotion. And then they stop praying because it's like, oh man, God's answered the prayer. I'm good. But you don't realize you're reaping from an earlier sowing, mm. but now by walking away from the sowing aspect, there's going to be an interruption in your reaping, you know, apart from the grace of God down the road. So you got to understand consistency is about understanding, like you got to think of yourself as a farmer. I'm I'm trying to cultivate my garden of intimacy with the Lord. Ooh, that is so good. I'm like snapping my fingers. That is so good. You know, just kind of pulling from our own lives and our own journey. Something that I've really found that is essential in me staying really connected with God is surrounding myself with people who they themselves have disciplined themselves to seek God's face. Yep. So for me, the power of my community that's on fire for God, because yes, you know, I'd like to believe, yes, I'm a leader, but I can't be foolish and not think I'm not influenced by people, even leaders are influenced by people. And maybe you're more naturally a follower. Well, then all the more recognize how impacted you are by your community and those around you. So it's so important that who you allow to speak into your life actually does in fact affect where you're going. So make sure they're going in the same direction you want to be going. Because yes, I I do believe we can influence people, but your inner circle, the people that are speaking counsel to your life, the people are actually affecting the culture of your life, the way you're thinking, they should be people that are pushing you to the more of God. It's so important that you surround yourself with people that have disciplined themselves to seek God's face. And you know what? You cannot have an effective quiet time without repentance. True. I believe in what Christian just said about you. You got to get with people that are going after God, that are seeking his face and maybe get together with an intercessory group or call a prayer meeting, get together with some others that are praying. And I think it's so, so important. I know that the first great awakening really began out of the Holy Club, which was the Wesley brothers and, and Whitfield. And they got together and they just planned on seeking the Lord. I know another revival that broke out of Ashbury 
college, they were seeking God. I can't tell you how many revivals have begun because people got together seeking God's face. And so I, I think what Christian said is so important, but I would also add in repentance. And so when you're in your secret place, the Holy Spirit's going to point his finger at things that are obstacles between you and the father. And I would just say, be quick to repent. Mm -hmm. and, I, and my prayer, my desire is God judge me in a secret place. So you don't have to judge me in the public place. Ooh. If you, if you'll listen and let God put his finger and that's, that's one of the big benefits of just getting a quiet time alone with the Lord is that God's going to deal with you. And then you have to steward that instruction. You have to follow the leading of the Lord. You have to implement what God is saying or else from that point on, you're allowing a division between you and God. And so you're trying to get in a secret place, but you, it's going to feel like you've got this big old huge cement slab between you and, and God. So understand this, the secret place is about repentance. And I feel like I would also say it is even a place of personal deliverance. You know, again, I, I don't know that I ever want to be on the floor screaming and flopping for a devil to come out of me. But hey, if that's how God has set you free, then hey, I'd rather be free and, and lose a little bit of, you know, dignity. But I think that if we keep our hearts pure before the Lord through repentance, and I think it's kind of cyclical because the Bible says, who may ascend to the holy hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. So repentance allows you to stay in that secret place. Because I know, like, for instance, a great example in the Old Testament, God said to the people of Israel, I'd, I'd come near you now, but I'd have, to, I'd have to judge you. They weren't right with God. And so he allowed Moses, who set himself apart, to come up on that mountain. And so repentance is something that God will deal with you in a secret place. But repentance allows you to send higher upon the hill of the Lord. Hey, Keep It 100 tribe, we have, as always, the Keep It 100 takeaways. Here are three things that we want to give you that can hinder you from encountering God. And I feel like these are so key because the bottom line is before you ever enter the secret place, you got to understand you have an enemy. We can't finish this podcast by telling you that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to steal your intimacy with a plan and a view to stop you and keep you away from God for as long as possible. So you need to be aware. So one of the first three things I want to hit that can hinder you from encountering God is distracting thoughts. If you ever spent time with the Lord by yourself, you know what I'm talking about. The moment you step in that secret place, it's like your mind is flooded with everything you forgot to do, latest score of the game, what's going on on Twitter, so much more. And these thoughts, if left unchecked, will steal your attention and prevent you from spending quality time with the Lord if you don't take care of it. So I say, well, no matter what comes to mind, set it aside, fix your eyes on the Lord again. Don't get discouraged when this happens over and over. Just refocus your attention on him again to the Lord. And it'll, be, it'll become much easier if you continue to persist. And remember what the Bible says in James, it says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So as you you're taking these thoughts captive, as you refocus on the Lord, know that as you do this, you will eliminate the obstacle because the enemy is trying to bring distracting thoughts as a way to hinder you from encountering God. You know, the second thing that the enemy tries to do to hinder you from encountering God is through shame, guilt, and condemnation. You know, have you ever felt like you weren't good enough to come before God because you've done something wrong? You've done something that you know didn't honor God, or you may be uh, compromised in a way that you're full of regret and shame. And shame, guilt, and condemnation is one of the most powerful weapons the enemy uses to keep Christians from coming to God. But that's exactly the place we need to be going. But 
But that's why it's so important that we actually come to God with an understanding of our righteousness within him when there is that repentance. And so what Sean talked about that was so important, you can't have an effective quiet time without having repentance. This is so important because it's the one thing that can cause a hindrance in our connection with God if we allow shame, condemnation, and guilt to have a place if there is uh, issues in our life or you know decisions that we've made that have not honored God. When we have a repentance, when we're saying, okay, God, I forgive me for that, uh, repentance actually is a divorcing of of that thing. It's removing yourself. It's severing that tie in the spirit. You're saying, God, I cut ties with that. I sever it in the spirit. And you're asking God to come with the, with the blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary and cover that sin. Therefore, you're able to stand righteously and stand blamelessly in the presence of God. That happens, we access the righteousness of God through repentance. You're enforcing the blood covenant, but if you allow shame, guilt, and condemnation to dictate your lack of coming to God, the enemy's actually winning there. And so we really wanna encourage you that God is actually the safest place for you. It's actually the place that's gonna set you free from the shame, guilt, and condemnation. When you don't come into the presence of God, That's what creates a cycle uh, ultimately that needs to be broken and only Jesus can break those cycles. Third and final thing that can hinder you from encountering God is a lack of faith in him being a good father. And one of the things that I love to do is just begin my quiet time by thanking him that he's a good father, that, that I'm a sheep of a good shepherd. Because if you don't believe the father is good, it is going to be an obstacle. Nobody wants to go in front of a boss they feel like they've disappointed or a father or a parent that you feel like you didn't carry out what they ask. And if you don't believe that the father in his heart has goodness for you, think about it. Jesus gave his life so that you could have connection with the father and encounter him. So how much is it important to understand that that is a good, good father? We sing the song, but I don't know that we really believe it. The Bible says it's impossible. In Hebrews eleven six. the Bible says that them that come to him must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you got to see the father, he's a rewarder. That's good. When someone's rewarding you, that's good. Like who runs from someone and says, hey, stop by the house, man. I want to reward you for something you've done. Well, man, yeah, man. I mean, it's the opposite. It didn't say he's a punisher. It says he's a rewarder. So the enemy's going to try to question God goodness. And that was the first obstacle hindrance thrown in the garden. You know, when the when the serpent said, God does, in a sense, he's keeping away from you all knowledge. So you need to eat of this tree and then you'll be like God, like God isn't good enough. And in fact, they already had and understood the goodness of God, but it was an obstacle thrown then, it's an obstacle thrown now. And I feel like some people are hesitant to spend time with the Lord because they lack faith in his love. So maybe you just need to spend part of your time and just saying, God, let me experience your love. Give me a greater revelation of your love. Lord, show me, reveal to me the goodness you have uh, towards me. And, and examples of this is you may feel like you need to do something to gain his approval to be with him. Wrong. Uh, our righteousness are as filthy rags. I thank God that he is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is my righteousness. So Jesus has already taken care of that. And some people think he's mad at you because you haven't spent time with him for two weeks already. No, he's longing for you. He's longing for you. He's The father isn't disappointed in you. He's disappointed for you. That You're missing out on the things that he could bless you with and join in with you and partner with that you've had to take on alone because maybe the time that you've walked, not spent time with God. And I think it always comes down to a feeling or thought that the enemy has placed in your mind as to God, why God doesn't want to spend time with you. It's a huge 
lie. As we come to a close with this episode of Keep It 100, we just want to come back and emphasize again for our community the importance of that daily discipline, connecting with God, recognizing He's your source, that truly He's the place that's going to fill you up, the place in which is going to really put everything into alignment and into perspective. So many of us are walking around with stress, anxiety, and fear, and shame, and condemnation, all this stuff that we don't actually have to carry. That place that we can dump that stuff off, that place where we can let go of what the day or the enemy tries to throw on us is in the presence of Jesus. As you spend time with God every single day, again, figure out how do you connect with God? What's that time of the day? What's that quiet place? Where are you going to be uninterrupted? When you figure out just the practical logistics, go in expectant as you read the word, as you pray, as you worship, because I believe every single time we come into the presence of God, whether small or whether big, God is about to encounter you. And it has never been more important than in a season where there are such a sway to take on so much stuff that isn't Jesus or isn't his word. And I want you to know, never before have I seen it so imperative to people's health, their wholeness, to walk out what it is to be healed in their identity in Christ and to spend time every single day with Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, next week, we're going to go even deeper in this topic. And we're so excited to have our special guest who's a revivalist and a modern day intercessor. Get ready, y'all. His name is Corey Russell. If you don't know him, this man of God is going to bring a wealth of wisdom on this topic that will truly change your life. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it